the thing. Um, some of the people on the internet like you very much. Um, however, not everybody was feeling the exact same way. So I think it's about time that we do Get a, a little Get a social media smackdown. Um, okay, so first things first, though. Look, I mean, oh, okay, we got it right here. What Arnold. is this? I love CM Punk, too. Uh, he weighs like a buck 50 now. I could probably take him night blindness and all. What's, why's he got a problem with you? Yeah. Ooh. Like Tom Arnold? Yeah, like Tom Arnold. Like Tom Arnold's famous for marrying Roseanne Barr, Tom yep. Arnold? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom Arnold, look, okay, what seventh level of hell did I die and now reside in where every day of my life now is just, oh, Tom Arnold is making fun of you. Oh, Seth Rollins is tweeting you. Like, I don't want this. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't ask for any of this. And you shouldn't ask for this either, Tom. I mean, Jesus Christ. If I wanted from you, I'd scrape your tongue. Yes! You have yes! a tattoo of Roseanne Barr on your chest that you covered up with a tattoo of Stephen King. And yes! this is coming from somebody who has a tattoo of ramen. All right? You lose the stupid tattoo contest just like you would lose the promo contest. And I don't care if I'm 150 pounds, if I'm 200 pounds, you couldn't take me bowling. So, so take your fake... Cubs fan, LA Dodgers hat wearing ass, and get out of yeah. here before I throw you yeah. out the front yeah. door. Yeah. Go yeah. search for relevancy somewhere else, Seth. I mean, Tom. Oh. Mad Men, let's move on to something a little fun, one that I like to do in a spot of the year. Something that happened in the wrestling ring that, that months later, maybe weeks later, depending on what you're picking, is still just resonating in our peanut brain. Something that you can't get out of your head. Some great spot in professional wrestling. Do you want me to lead on this one? I think there's a clear pick. I think we might pick the same thing. Go ahead. You go. It's the barbed wire bed. Oh, that is not my pick, but I do love it. I'm shocked that you would not go with something from Kenny Mox. I mean, Kenny Mox wasn't in the top five most hardcore matches I watched this year, That's but uh, I did love it, for the record. I loved it a great and there's deal. And gr there's insane stuff up and down that now, match. Now, my spot of the year is from that match. Really? Yeah. Really? But it's not the barbed wire bed. Okay. Well, that to me is like one of the indelible images of that match. Both guys going into this mattress of barbed wire, basically, and then the close-ups on their faces. They're just there's no there's no faking that. There's yeah. no. It just sucks. Yeah. It just sucks to be there. Um, Batman. I know some people didn't like Mox Omega. I loved it. I'm. I'm sure I don't have to tell you I loved it. <laughs> uh, but I, I can sort of understand or fully understand why somebody wouldn't like that match. But why I do like it is because it's hardcore wrestling done at a very by two very high-level performers. And there's things in that match that you don't get to see because the performers in those style of matches aren't as high-end. Mm -hmm. And that is never better represented in that match than big fucking mocks being, I think it's in a Cloverleaf Omega has him, and realizing through his face that he now has to crawl through this glass to get to the ropes. He spun around, the glass is in front of him, and the only way out of this submission is a rope break. This is very high-end acting in ring. This is tremendous selling. He looks down at the glass, and he you, see, you see the gears turning. You see him be like, if I'm getting out of this, 
I'm crawling through this glass. And as he goes, is there any other thing I can do here? But as he starts to do like an army crawl towards the ropes through the glass, I was just like, these guys are killing it. And that is my spot of the year. Interesting that we both picked something from Ox Omega, though. Yeah, I, that's a, that is a fantastic moment. And, and you're bang on correct that I, I like what you picked because I picked – I picked a stunt, right? Like I, sure. I mean, and that's a stunt too in its own way. We both picked something that would be excruciatingly painful for any normal <laughs> yes. person to do. Um, but you're right that uh, what you have chosen is a moment, and 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 moments are sold not on uh, ring work or, that's or right. anything. It's acting. Like acting is what makes good wrestling. That's absolutely right. Because that's what makes good stories, and good wrestling is good storytelling. Correct. And uh, I respect the pick. Well uh, done. A couple others that stood out. If like we give some honorable mentions here, because I thought there were a couple good ones this year. Uh, Orange Cassidy getting fired up against David Starr. Glasses come off, and he starts working all the lucha. That that really got a pop out of me. Maybe a bit of a contentious one here, because I know people don't like this spot. But listen, I, I can only tell you what I'm remembering at the end of the year. And it's uh, Naito's German suplex to Ibushi on the apron. You remember this? Where he just smokes Ibushi's head on the apron. I mean, that was that was shocking to how about, me. How about Shibata? How about, how about Shibata? How about the, the, the phys- physicality on Shibata? That's one of the most memorable things of the year. Well. Absolutely. I mean, every second of Okada Osprey also <laughs> in the discussion. Uh, there are lots of ways you could go, but those were the ones that were the most branded in my mind at the end of 2019. Hell yeah, bud. Uh, Madman, do you want a worst of or a best of? Uh, we're getting into the we're getting into the the weeds, the the real high end stuff here. Uh, yeah, let's go for let's go for another worst of. All right, then we're going to the worst wrestler of the year. I, I it's clear to me. I could not pick anyone else for this. Look, can you go with the novelty route and look at perhaps an Undertaker or a Goldberg? Oh, yeah. Certainly you could. Well-deserving both of them. But hey, even Goldberg had a very entertaining match with Dolph Ziggler. Yep. Even as a Dolph Ziggler hater, I think you would have to agree that that was super fun. One of my favorite matches at SummerSlam. Yeah, and it was barely a match, yeah. which is exactly what a Goldberg match should <laughs> yeah, be. Yeah, that's right. Even in his prime, never mind when he's fucking 50 <laughs> years old. He basically was in his prime. Hardly that. <laughs> 60 guys just eating two moves. Um, my worst wrestler of the year by far, and this is something that you talked about a little bit earlier on with Sean Spears, just having – it's not heel heat. It's go-away heat. And WWE does not seem to understand that that is what Baron Corbin has. Not a good year Baron, Baron. Corbin. Baron Corbin in the early stages of the year was like, I don't know about this guy. Maybe his in-ring is better than I thought it might be. <laughs> it's it's it might still be that, but it doesn't matter. Stop it. It's not. Can we stop this whole like Baron Corbin's a good classic heel and he's he's got no, a couple No, he's good... not a good classic Guys, heel. Stop it. You he, he doesn't win any big match. Like it's not wanting to see him lose. It's not wanting to see him wrestle cuz he's not good or compelling. Exactly. It's so on the nose and predictable that it's uninteresting. I went on a rant about this on Central last week after uh TLC ended. Oh, you didn't like him in rain? Cuz I was so <laughs> mad at the end of that Reigns match that he did not lose. And it's not because I wanted to see him get his comeuppance. It's because I know if he loses, that's the end of the feud and I don't have to see this shit anymore. Wrong-o, boy-o. It was the wrong move to make him king. It was the wrong... Like, 
everything about his year, every position he's been put in, every feud he's been put in, every wrestler he's been placed against. Wrong, 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 wrong. If there is a reason why SmackDown ratings have cratered since the debut on Fox, it's because one of the key guys who starts every episode in the first segment is King fucking Corbin, (laughs) and nobody wants to see that. He sucks. Shoot him into the sun for the love of... And the thing is, he seems like a great guy. Yeah. Like he's on, on the breaking suites. ground, he was great. He's on the suites. He does a stream with Tyler Breeze yep. and, and Sean Spears. Uh, and they seem like fun, cool guys. Breeze that, needs to find some cooler friends. Yeah, maybe. But like, in the ring, on the mic, like whatever gimmick they give him... It's all bad. He has go-away heat. I could not hate Baron Corbin anymore, and that doesn't make him a good heel. It makes him a bad wrestler. In fact, the worst wrestler of the year. Love that answer. Tune out when Baron Corbin is on television. He is a worse wrestler in ring than the person I'm about to name. But, JMO, my biases were confirmed this year. My takes were aged well, as the freaking one Seth Rollins Really was on one this year. <laughs> Be it his his Twitter presence of hating Wilco or going after Will Ospreay, being involved in the the Brock feud as you know, just taking the least interesting route oh, to you it. Pop freaking culture. What I wasn't gonna say it. <laughs> He's you, you, you might say it later on when we get the worst oh, co-host take. May I give here? I'll give a little tease. That is not my worst take for you. Oh wow. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I know what is now. What? <laughs> well, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, but but Seth Rollins, no matter what he was involved in this year, I was just catching myself being like, shut the fuck up, Seth Rollins. I'm, I'm done with it. I can't even name a banger singles match he had this year, despite him claiming that he's all the best wrestlers are at WWE and he's the, the top guy. Well, here's the thing. It's exactly what I was just talking about with Becky Lynch. If you want to be the top babyface, if you want the crowd to love you more than anyone in the world, you need to be an anti-authority rebel figure. You Not need a bootlicker. <laughs> you need to be the soul of the working class rebelling against people keeping you under their boot. You cannot be babyface number one. And Mr. Corporate Player. It's exactly why we never loved Cena until he was on his way out. Because he stopped being the number one corporate, you know, company speak spews out of my mouth guy. When he was just a wrestler and, and we could look back on what he'd done and appreciate him for everything that he had been. We loved him. When you have to be the guy where you open your mouth and Vince McMahon uses you as a fucking sock puppet... You're never going to be beloved. When he came out after the John Moxley on Chris Jericho interview and was like, well, yeah, some guys just can't work hard enough. I was like, not only was Dean Ambrose the Iron Man of WWE and for three years straight worked more matches than anyone else in the company, it's such an absurdly transparent, like, just siding with your company, not your friend. Also, like, we got that Reddit Q&A a couple weeks right. back with TJP yeah. where he talks about how... For some guys in WWE, yes, they are given a little bit of control over what they get to do, but for like 70%, maybe even closer to 90% of the roster, you are dictated to you your every move, your entrance, your celebrations, where you look, what you do, what every move that you do in a match is being dictated to you by the referee. This was depressing, TJP's it was, AMA to It me. was horrible. It was horrific. It was the worst thing that I've heard in wrestling all year long. Really sad. Like, to just know that 
Have you seen Gamer with no. Gerard Butler? No, but I know people who like it. It's not a very good movie. Okay. Just like Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which is better, though? Gamer. <laughs> but it, it's a... It's a, it's a it's a movie about like a live action video game tournament, basically, where people are controlling inmates, prison inmates, real yes. people. And if they win enough matches, they get their freedom. Okay. But it's revealed halfway through the movie that this Vince McMahon like figure, played by uh, Michael C. Hall from oh, Six Dexter. Feet Under, Dexter, yeah, yeah. Uh, he is played. Uh, he's it's a character that is literally based on Vince McMahon. So the fact that this is so true is like ridiculously poetic but it, it's revealed that the players are never actually in control dexter oh. is orchestrating everything that happens he's like wearing them like suits there's at one point a scene where he's literally doing a marionette dance and people's bodies are being controlled behind him that is the degree of control that wwe exerts on their in-ring talent and so for someone like dean to speak out on it and to get the pushback like that from seth Man, fuck him. Like, it, it just, it's I unbelievable. Just I just didn't understand why he did it. Like, you could have stayed silent or just been like, hey, I wish him the best. That's my shield brother. I hope we cross paths against him. But he could have given some, some sort of neutral, like, Latitude that. where you just say nothing. Yes, yeah, something. Instead of, like, yeah, some guys just aren't willing to work hard enough or whatever it was. It's like, fuck you, man. What are you talking about? This guy's twice you, the best. You know how wrestling. Dean was never going to be the guy in WWE? Yeah. I, I'm a collector. Yes. I like Funko Pops. Yes. I take some heat sometimes from people who are like, yeah, you collect a stupid nerd toy. <laughs> I have an enormous amount of wrestling Funko Pops. Yes. And when they put them out, they put them out sometimes in a collection. So, like, all three New Day guys will all be made at oh, the same yeah. time. All, you know, such and such tag team is all made at the same time. Yes. There is an Xavier Woods Funko Pop because they made New Day Funkos. In the same line that Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns got Funko Pops, there's no Dean Ambrose. There has never, there was what? never a Dean Ambrose Funko Pop. Really? They never made one. That's crazy. And, and that would have been like three years ago when he was still like, he would have been WWE champion at the time. They never made him a toy like that because he was never the guy. It's exactly what Punk says. I'm never going to be on the plastic cups. I'm never going to be on the cover of the magazine. I'm never going to be on the video game. Even when they put Punk on the cover of the video game, they didn't even put his fucking face yeah. on it. <laughs> Covering his own face. His it's face like... was off the cover. Yeah. It cut him off at the neck. It's unbelievable, these guys. Uh, so that's how you know. Like, yeah, I was. He's the for, worst wrestler of the year, more just because he feels like a turncoat to me than. Yeah, he's a class trader. Yeah, and uh, you know me, I don't love a bootlicker. And how, how are you going to look at the year Big Fucking Mox has had and try to act like he wasn't held down? And just like he was never going to be their guy. That yeah. not to get nerdy about toys, but like no, but to that's, me that's a good example of exactly why. It absolutely feels that way to me. Madman, I'd like to transition to uh, two fun ones back-to-back. I'm excited to do these two. Okay, okay. Uh, I think they're fun, and I'd like to start with uh, Tweet of the Year. This is a tweet from somebody maybe spiritually tied to our segment, a Sunday Night Tweet, where we, you know, of course, go through the, the tweets of the WWE roster. Was there one for you this year where uh, somebody on the roster really home-runned on the internet for you? Um, yes. Can I give... I'm going to give two options here, because the first one is not actually a tweet that someone wrote themselves but when you say did they home run on the internet 
for me, absolutely, I have to give an enormous shout out to Liv Morgan, oh, who, yeah. who I love dearly, who I tweeted about having met her in person in Toronto at a media event at the top of uh, the, not the Space Needle, the CN Tower. <laughs> we, had a, we had a corporate party at the top of the CN Tower, open bar. I'm just getting hammed. Go, go, go. Uh, Gallows and Anderson are there, but I'm too nervous to talk to them at any point. Oh, I don't want to talk and shop with them? Too nervous to talk shop with the bald boys. But you know who I did have to talk to was Liv Morgan and uh, our girl Sarah Logan. It's interesting to me that you were less intimidated to talk to Liv Morgan than you were (laughs) the club. I had to talk to Sarah. Like, that had to happen because, like, our show and what she's meant to us, I couldn't be in the same room as her and not tell her about Sunday Night Tweet. We love Sexy Amelia Earhart. And I did tell her that she's a regular staple. Every week it's either one of her tweets or one of Noam Dar's. (laughs) She loved hearing it. Liv loved hearing it. They phoned up Ruby Riot. They talked to Ruby on FaceTime. They had spoken to her since the brand split like right as i was talking to them but uh afterwards i tweeted out uh something about meeting um the two of them and i said that you know i met Liv morgan in person and she was delightful i don't even know what i said yeah, but, but the the key part of it was the first thing that she asked me was so have you buried us on your show <laughs> which is hilarious what a great question to open a meeting a media member with yeah uh, which is no, and, and that's how I explain no. In fact, I, I'm a big fan of both of you. Uh, Sarah, you're a huge part of our show every week, in fact. Um, and and Liv retweeted that. And it did huge numbers because everybody was like, that's fucking hilarious. Thank what you, a, Liv. What a great That's a great person. answer. So, yes, Liv did me a huge solid on Twitter, and it was a pleasure to meet her and speak with her. But the best tweet of the year from a wrestler is Lacey Evans' RCMP run-in with the Edmonton police. That was such a good day on Twitter for me. It was like it was like when Don Cherry got fired. It just let me know who was an idiot. <laughs> like- it was a Sunday <laughs> afternoon, too. It gave me like 10 minutes of content to talk about on that night's sure. Wrestle Central. And um, like people could not... You were giving me a hard time for the double down on all my bad takes. Oh, yeah. Anytime someone was told that this was obviously a work and that the cop is in on it and this is all fake and you're getting played right now the idea of them getting played they made them more angry they hate it and made them call you the idiot <laughs> for you liking know, wrestling yeah, you're the dumbass for liking wrestling and knowing that i'm getting worked right now it's like one of the big lessons of the year in politics in entertainment in anything and not just this year the last three years basically under trump is that wrestling fans can never be fooled. Everything is a work. Everything is a work at all times, and when you are aware of the artifice of all of society, you will never be worked. It births you into a shooter. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, wrestling fandom, whatever you want to say about us, whatever you want to say about the product we enjoy... We are skeptics. We will never be fooled by anything the way you are fooled by everything. And I have to... Look, I I picked her for my worst feud of the year earlier. Yeah. Lacey was put in a position that was not fair to her either as a performer and where she was at at that point. Yeah, yeah. She has value to the company. Yeah, she can be good... And certainly that tweet was we we can't let we can't let an American talk to our police that way. It's like Yeah. Are you a real person? Like does your brain work? She's she's a cop. Read her fucking bio and and 
really ask yourself, does this person really not respect the police? Brainworms ass stupid. I don't respect Lord. the police. Come after me. A cab, baby. Whee! That's a story for a different day. That's absolutely correct. <laughs> uh, Madman, mine is, and I love that answer. That's a great one that did come to mind uh, as well. Um, it was Big Stoke, Stokely Hathaway's CD saga. And if I have to give a specific one tweet for it, that's the, honestly, that might be the storyline of the year. <laughs> it's, it's as well <laughs> Who up there. stole my CD player starring uh, Stokely Hathaway? Him getting shaken down by Alexander Wolf from Sanity was just absurdly funny and Fabian Eichner was in that video, uh, too. Absolutely. I, I just thought each of these was almost unbelievably, not unbelievably funny as if oh, I'm just laughing my head off, but I mean, each of them was so consistent in quality. A the Adam Cole one is hilarious. Absolutely. The Shayna one is hilarious. There's the Nia Jax one is hilarious. They're all Fantastic. And you know why? Because Stokely Hathaway is hilarious, and he deserves uh, a push and whatever he wants in that company because he is an absolute star. Those were the things that when they were posted often in our group chat, it'd be like, "Oh, I have to watch this right now." Yes, like, like that would it would Stokely would tweet the video and it would be in the group chat within thirty seconds. Yeah, and we would all watch it and be like, "Ah, tee tee tee." So I'm going with uh, Big Stoke, who I like you also considered for breakthrough, even though it's like a little hard to do just because he wasn't. Well, here, it's not on our list, yeah. but it is on the list of awards within the group chat that the boys are handing out themselves. Right. Who is poised to have the biggest 2020 of anyone in wrestling? To me, it's got to be Stokely Hathaway, because if you just put him on TV, he will become what he is meant to be, like, instantly. I think he's a great pick for that. Uh, I got to go with Keith Lee, though. You're right. Uh, I think uh, 2020, we're going to be basking in his glory. Whoa! Baskin is glory. Fair pick. Fair pick. So good to do. Uh, JMO, we're, we're whittling through them. We're getting down to the nitty gritty, but we've still got a few to go. Uh, as our second fun one here is uh, Hidden Gem of the Year. Okay. Uh, something from the wrestling world that you maybe thought didn't get uh, the attention it deserved, that, that you greatly enjoyed. Uh, what came to mind for you? This is something that I wish I had watched a lot sooner because uh, it took me probably four and a half, maybe close to five months to actually track it down and give it a viewing. Yep. But I had it on my list of things that I had to watch before the end of the year as a possible contender for match of the year and i'm not going to give it that honor yep. but it is an enormously entertaining and spectacular match uh that really uh i think redeems a gentleman that you had in one of your worst feuds of okay. the year spots yeah which would be uh, joey janela now you yeah. love joey janela and course. i love joey janela but one. a lot of people think of joey janela as just being a spot monkey yeah, stunt. And a, a hardcore stunt guy all the shit foley used to get back in the day exactly it's a 60-minute match from American Rana, oh, 19. Oh, yeah. Yep. This is... Joey Janela versus David Starr. It's one of the best matches you could ever watch. If it's you don't think Janela can wrestle... incredible. And, and it just backs up the fact that David Starr is just equally... I had to give David some love on this show. He was one of my best... No, he's the best interview I've ever had. So cool. Incredible person. Such an awesome dude. And, uh, yeah, that match is – I'm not just putting it on the list because you and I like those two guys. Nope. It, that, that match is why we like them, the fact that they can go out and do things like that. The, the people don't want to admit that Joey Janela had more good matches this year than Kenny Omega, but it's, it's true. the absolute truth. It absolutely is true. You can, you can try and deny it all you want. Uh, Janela was in a slew of bangers. If you think he's just a stuntman, it's just like Foley. You're not paying attention. It, it it's like the Bucks. It's like saying the Bucks are just spot yeah, guys. Oh, they don't get psychology. It's like, I don't know what you mean. Like, what, what do you mean by that? You're I don't just think revealing you, that you don't yeah, watch them. Yeah, or that you also don't know what you mean. You're just repeating <laughs> talking points from 2015. Yeah. Like, and again, I'm not Mr. Young Bucks, but, but give me a break. 
Uh, Man, I've talked about this a little bit throughout the year, but I still feel like it's been underseen and underloved, and that's Endo vs. Takashida from uh, DDT's big show Peter Pan this year in the main event. It's a 40-minute back-and-forth strong-style, I would say, classic. It's It has everything you'd want from a high-end wrestling match. It is paced slow and then fast. There's a very clear story being told. Me jumping into a World 2 wrestlers who I don't know was very easy to understand the dynamic between the two of them. These are sort of the two, sort of your Naito and Okada, from what I understand. I might be speaking mm-hmm. out of school a little bit, but I did do some reading afterwards. And these are sort of your two guys. I think this was their fifth match together, if memory serves. Uh, Takashita winning three of them. I won't say who wins this one. But, but, but sort of like a bait-done scenario where it's like you don't need to know anything about these guys. The match itself will tell you the entire story. I was going to use Zayn and Owens, but I actually think yours is a better uh, way of doing that. Like These guys just get across their dynamic really easily. Uh, I watched this show. Uh, Alex from our chat put in the group chat. So this was very kind. Sent me a link to it. I watched this like right as he sent it to me in the morning on my laptop, not giving it you know, the best chance in the world. And I so seldom do this. And I was like, 10 minutes into the match, I was like, fuck this. And I like came out here and put it up on my TV. I was like, this this is the real goddamn deal. So uh, tune in to DDT's big show, Peter Pan, from this year. You can DM me if you need a link to it. Really couldn't recommend this match enough. Very, very high-end stuff Well, I haven't seen on. it, so I look forward to uh, yeah. giving it a viewing. Perhaps. If you get some time over the Christmas break, I could not recommend enough. It's really fun, really fast, really hard-hitting. Great stuff. Hell yeah. JMO, we're into the less fun stuff now. What? We are. I'm sorry. We have Wrestler of the Year, Match of the Year, Worst co-host take and Top Mark's Most Powerful Listener 2019. And I feel like Most Powerful Listener must go last. Sure, yeah, I agree with that. Do you want to get, uh, get Worst co-host take out of the way and then do Match and Wrestler? Or do you want to do the positives and then end on sort of the more in-the-bubble ones? Yeah, yeah, let's do Worst co-host take right now. Because I, I, I'm ready for it. If, I, if we had opened with it, I would, maybe would have been in a sour place. Have I ever dusted you on this show for no, these takes? No, never. I ga- I, you, and I you refused did, to. Even, even the one, and I know what you're going to pick, and you really let me have it when I was doing this. But and especially we're like, why are you tripling and quadrupling down on it? But you also were like, the man is like having a take and l- giving everyone something to react to. And I, there is a benefit to that. I said that on this program. I appreciate that. I... I, I uh, while I thought you were out to lunch, I, I think if you weren't at all in, this might all look a little different. But your insistence that AEW Dynamite was going to beat Raw in the ratings within six months seemed like, because you were a media guy. Like, you know this world well. You know TV ratings. You know. But, but when I said that, six months was a year, basically, because TV wasn't going to start until October. Sure. They had a ton of runway to get to television, and Raw was not just dwindling and on the decline, but about to become the B-show that they didn't even care about. But like I said, TNT has one thing that gets more than a million viewers. Basketball. <laughs> Basketball's the only show on TNT. And Raw, even in its absolute doldrums, does 1.6, 1.7. It's like you would have to be like, AW is going to be the biggest thing that isn't the NBA on this popular channel that has other shows. It just seems so out of whack for a guy who knows the media. And that's all I'm going to say about it. I, I just, think that was your I wanted take. to believe. <laughs> I, I, I want, you're right. I'm clouded by the like religious experience of being at all in which is understandable yeah. uh it's it and listen i i i like dynamite like i we're still cheering for it but and it's exact but like when did i say this take i don't remember it was the night of double or nothing. nothing yeah that makes and so sense. for you and i to both pick that as our pay-per-view of the year yeah 
Like, you're just high on the sauce. I mean, I wasn't. I was. I was high on the marijuana. Yeah, I was, was also <laughs> high on the marijuana. <laughs> and I was just saying, hey, I don't think they're going to be Raw in the ratings. <laughs> I just, I was forecasting a continued drop for Raw, and I was like, could this product be popular enough that 1.5 to 1.6 million people would tune in to watch it every week? Right. And that's what the debut did. Like... Oh no! Don't don't you try and rescue this. It never beat Raw. It never. <laughs> it's true. It never beat Raw. But and and I am wrong overall. Hey, I still have some months left. <laughs> it can turn around in the new year. Hold it on. But like, do you think they will beat Raw in what the next three months? No. Yeah. No. Especially when their numbers are dwindling. Will right they now beat because NXT? They have problems. They have problems. And I wanted to believe that everything would be different. Yeah. And you and I have both talked about already yeah. that not everything is perfect in AEW. I think if it had continued to, you know, have momentum, if it had a bit more polish and and you know more clear storytelling, certainly there is a there is an alternate reality where AEW maintains its yes. opening week popularity. And in that reality, it's not inconceivable what I forecasted. But you're right; it was ridiculous. And I do concede my worst take of the year, probably even worse than Seth freaking Rollins' pop freaking culture. <laughs> hey, you got a couple of weeks left before you can be on Fallon, and you're all <laughs> saved on this one. <laughs> Man, what's my worst co-host take of the year? Your worst co-host take of the year? Well, I didn't know what to pick coming into this show because none of your takes really jump out at me from this year as being particularly bad. I can think of one I said on the show that's aged pretty bad. Which is? I said that I was like, if I'm AEW, Jericho is getting that belt out the gate, and he is my champ for 10 months. But like, everyone believed that, though. Yeah, but it was a bad take. Like, it, I think that's really holding them down right now. I okay. genuinely do. And I was like, ah, this is correct. Yeah, even though the signs were there, he was not. He was doing bad matches with Okada and Omega. And I was like, this is good. <laughs> well, I hate to tell you, Josh, but your co-host worst take of the year came about 25 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> when you said the best promo in all of pro wrestling in 2019 was CM Punk talking about Tom Arnold, who isn't even a wrestler, on WWE backstage. Your love of punk has blinded you once again, my friend. And you hate to see it, quite oh, frankly. Oh, I love the cult of personality. There's no two ways about it. I mean, you haven't seen it. If you think this this Cody or Jericho, well, wait till you see see a bug and Tom Arnold is going to blow your stack. Well, look, this is 2019. It's yeah. the end of the decade. Yeah. I'm going to give you an opportunity here to declare your love for the man. Oh. As we look back at the last 10 years of wrestling. Well, it's the best WWE match before, of the decade. Before we do wrestler of the year 2019, who is your wrestler of the decade? Wow. So the decade is what? 2010 to 2020? Is that right? 2010 to 2019. Who oh. defined this decade of wrestling? Because I think there is a clear argument for Punk. Yeah, well, I think CM Punk had the most... He affected the structure of wrestling more than anyone. I don't really think that's comparable. Whatever you think of WWE and NXT right now, it looks incredibly different without Punk showing them that the indies can draw money. I really feel like you can make a strong case for Daniel Bryan. I really feel like you can make a strong case for Kazuchika Okada. And the fact that Punk is done in 2013 makes it hard. 2014. 24, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2014. Early, the beginning of 2014. Yeah, like it doesn't have – he's basically a non-player in 2014. For like yeah. the back half of the decade, he's not really in the fold. Gosh. Yeah. I'm going to go with Kazuchika Okada as my wrestler of the decade. I think from 2016 till now – 
I haven't watched anything that I didn't like him in. And the I believe he to be the highest ability we've ever seen in between in the actual just squared circle in terms of you talk about an A side wrestler, a guy who you ne- no matter who you pair him with, something will be birthed. I think I have to go with Okada. Who's yours for wrestler of the decade? I think you know. Daniel Bryan? Absolutely. Yeah. He has the emotional high points. He has some of the match high points within WWE, sure. certainly. For sure. The fantastic year this year, even. Even when he was relegated to the tag division this year, he still had a fantastic year. Yep. Um, he, he did so much so well. And, and the fact that he has been repackaged as Daniel Bryan classic. American, American Dragon. Dragon is back. Uh, the next decade looks great for him as well. I cannot wait to see what the future holds. Uh, he is the reason that I do this show. He is the reason that I do Wrestle Central. If I did not love Daniel Bryan the way that I do, I wouldn't love wrestling the way that I do. And yeah. when I look back at who had the biggest impact for in wrestling this decade, when you consider that he was out of it for a good two, three years there. Well, not, I wouldn't breeze over that if I were you because I think Talking Smack is as much a part of his... And him being the GM on uh, SmackDown was hugely important as well. He yep. got to be... You and I have talked about this many times. Of course, yeah. He got to be someone who didn't give a fuck, who wanted to be fired. So he could say anything he wanted at any given time. And he felt natural on screen in the way that characters delivering lines do not. I I do want to be clear, though. If it was just the front half of the decade, I think it's easily CM Punk. Like, it's only... And I am willing to concede that... Brian doesn't happen without Punk. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think Brian would probably tell you that, right? Like, if, if he doesn't leave, that hot shot to, to Batista Orton doesn't happen. I mean, that, or, and that's to say nothing of every single independent. Re- I mean, PWG and ROH are NXT. So, yeah. like, that, that's CM Punk. Uh, but, but a decade on hold, yeah. It's an interesting question. I, uh, yeah, I think I feel comfortable with Okada. But, again, if Punk would have even just been around in a lackluster way, mm-hmm. I, I think it would have been him for me. But it's, it's hard to give it to a guy who wasn't there for six, more than half of the whole thing. But his impact was felt throughout it. Absolutely. Madman, let's uh, – here we go. We're, we're moving on. We have two left. I want to do Wrestler of the Year last. Okay. And I want to do Match of the Year right now. Okay. So many good options. A year – Not as clear cut. No. You could go 20 different ways with this. You could say virtually anything from the G1. This field of matches for match of the year is like the 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 field of champion contenders in WWF in the year 2000. Yeah. Like 10, 10 guys yeah. can have the belt. That's right. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. If you'd like me to, I absolutely will. Uh, because I'm glad we got worst co-host take out of the way. <laughs> Because sometimes in wrestling, Jamie, when I have to go off here, because yeah. I need a chance to explain myself on this one. All right. Sometimes in wrestling, it's all on the line. And reality and the business converge. And as Dean Ambrose was dying in WWE, exiting the company on just some true low points. I, just I don't need to. Booked like a whoopee cushion on his way out the door. <laughs> booked like a whoopee cushion is, is exactly right. Uh, I've had some good phrases this that episode. Was, that was a great one. Money in the couch was good. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, you want to think about the, the, the gas mask and the giant syringes and just the, the amount. Inoculating of, himself from the fans. Nia, telling, saying he's glad Roman Reigns got cancer. Nia Jax beating him up. The, exiting on a true low point. Goes on to talk is Jericho. 
And he says, guess Podcast what? of the year, easily. Well, for sure. I think in any category, even outside of wrestling, that was the most engaged I was in any podcast all year Yeah, could, couldn't agree more with that. It felt like the Punk Cabana one, like a smaller scale one, but, but, for sure. but still very important. And he does this interview where he basically says, listen, that was all bullshit. I'm much better than that. I'm going to show you that I'm much better than that. There is everything on the line for now John Moxley's rebirth as he heads to New Japan Pro Wrestling and challenges for their U.S. title against Juice Robinson. Juice Robinson, a average worker, below average. He looks like a giant baby man. Looks like a giant baby man. <laughs> I've said many times, he looks like uh, if the dancing baby from Ally McBeal grew up into a, <laughs> an adult. <laughs> that adult is Juice Robinson. <laughs> that is too accurate, I would say. And everything is on the line for John Moxley. And I'm nervous because here I am thinking, Juice Robinson, couldn't, couldn't we get this guy Tomohiro Ishii? Couldn't we get him Tetsuya Naito? Could we maybe get him Kasuchika Okada? Could we get an introduction for my guy John Moxley returning after years away? Could we get something? And rather than a, a mediocre match, which I probably would have still loved, he drags Juice Robinson to easily the best match of his career and tells a story about leaving WWE within the ring. He hits Juice with the Dirty Deeds, a less impactful double underhook DDT. And Juice kicks out just shy of two. A 1.9 kick out. The Dirty Deeds is not worth much. John Moxley stands up from that Dirty Deeds. He shakes his head around. He goes to the corner. He gets his arms under. And he hits the Death Rider. He's pivoting it. This is a spike. Boom! One, two, three. I rewatched all my potential Match of the Year candidates while I was on the plane to, to Winnipeg a couple weeks ago. And while there's a zillion you could pick, and I'm not going to say any just in case one of them's yours, None of them felt like, it's like, the stakes here were everything. And it just validated John Moxley instantly. It was like, holy shit, Dean Ambrose, who? Big fucking Mox. Match of the year, John Moxley versus Juice Robinson. Interesting choice. I, I see where you're coming from. The stakes are enormous. It is a career-saving match. Uh, and it basically paves the path for the rest of the year in a way, because I think, you know, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I have a suspicion that John Moxley is your wrestler of the year for 2019. Well, no, I'm picking Will Ospreay. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, you know, and, and yes, I, I agree with everything that you said. I'm not a big Juice Robinson guy, but that match impressed me from Juice in a way that really no other match that I've ever seen with him has. And I was actually thinking that your promo of the year pick was going to be the post-match promo where he gets on the mic and starts talking about his career and how everything's gone wrong for him and how much this match mattered to him. Because that's a promo that I played in its entirety on Wrestle Central. I may have bleeped a couple things sure. here and there. Yeah. I don't play New Japan Audio on the show almost ever. That It's a great promo. Like... And a bunch of his G1 ones are amazing, too. The yeah. whole thing with Shooter Amino could have gone a lot of ways. but uh, The the post-match promo on, uh, yeah, throughout the G1 was fantastic, too. The Ishii match was just amazing. It's a, Ishii, and I know people are going to say this, the Ishii match was just a better pure match between the ring. But mm. that, that isn't what match of the year is to me. And I have to agree with that because my match of the year contender uh, and ultimate champion is not the best in-ring match of the year, either. I'm sure there's... A hundred matches that outwork it. Everything that happened to PWG this year. <laughs> yes. And yet, the match of the year is Cody versus Dustin mm. at Double or Nothing. I thought this was going to be your pick. It yeah. is a five-star classic. It is everything that you want from professional wrestling in terms of emotional storytelling. And everything that we talked about when we were talking about spot of the year 
acting is what sells moments. Not moves, not, you know, strings of moves in a row and sequences and being able to, you know, those things are all important skills for a wrestler to have. But the number one thing that's going to make you buy in, the number one thing that's going to create an indelible moment that you will never forget for the rest of your life, you will know where you were when you watched that match, is acting. And Cody and Dustin delivers that in spades. It establishes Cody as one of the best actors in the entire wrestling world. Um, he is so unbelievably talented. Not not as a wrestler, maybe. And we've ripped on his work rate over the years on the yep. show. Deservedly so. But he's found his niche in matches like this. Exactly. He can deliver something that no one else can. And for a match that was also an emotional tribute to their father, that was full of you know, uh, slicing, blading, bleeding, more blood than you would ever want to see in a match. To me, as, you know, the same criticism that people have with uh, Mox and Kenny is like, well, it was just gross. I don't want to see that. Yeah. But it can really work in a match's favor as well to have dramatic moments like that, to really make you buy in to the stakes on just a completely different level yes. than, like, Who's going to get the pin here or whatever? You know, you when you are genuinely concerned, it, that brings you back to a level of buy-in that we probably had as kids and we don't really have anymore. It's and, so wild to think that the NWA relaunched this year and the best NWA match was undoubtedly Cody versus Dustin. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just... Old, and interesting because I said how Mox Omega was a certain style of match worked by very high-end competitors. Mm -hmm. And I feel very much that way about Cody Dustin because that match played out with anybody else in it, not just because of their father's story and that they're brothers, but that match done by lesser workers is a dull match. Can you name one spot from it? Uh, yeah, the 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 crossroads finish probably. Sure. And also there's multiple times where Dustin has to go by feel because he genuinely yeah. cannot see anything. Uh, and those moments kind of stick out to me as well. But yeah, like there's no spots other than like whipping his bare ass with the belt. But right. that's not a spot on the level of like, you know, a moonsault to the floor. Or exactly. Whatever. Yeah. So, so it's so interesting, and I like the pick very much. I, I think it really established what Cody should be doing too. Like it, that's it, it his is spot. the emotional high water mark of wrestling this year, and I will include in that the promo that came afterwards. I need my brother. Like that, I cried watching yep. that. That was I, fantastic. Like. How can you ask for more? That is the level of buy-in that I want when I go to the movies. Yes. And and I got it from wrestling once this year. Fucking incredible match. You got to love the, the match goddamn of the year. business. And the fact that these two guys wanted to have a match in WWE, dust versus dust, gold versus star, and were denied it. It was supposed to be on WrestleMania Four years earlier, and instead got a seven-minute match on the Fast Lane pre-show, and then was dropped in the bin, forgotten forever. The fact that they could come back to this four years later, when four years is a long fucking time, long time. for Dustin especially, at this stage in his career that he's at, and have the match of the year, just hats off to both men. An unreal I love talking about wrestling matches I like. Both of those were like really fun for me to just like listen to and talk about. Good choice. Thank you. Jim, let's talk about our wrestler of the year. This is your your single person who you think when we look back at 2019, this was the one. This was the wrestler. This was 2019's best. And who is it for you, Madman? <sighs> tough call here. No. No? Not tough at all. I, Easy. I know 
the argument for Moxley, and I know you're going to pick him, and I know that no, I'm picking Will Ospreay. <laughs> I like all the flips, and I know that you're right to do it. Can I give two runner-ups here? Yeah. Um, if we had a women's wrestler of the year spot, mm-hmm. which we don't, I would give it to Io. Oh yeah, Io yep. Shirai had an incredible 2019. I agree. As soon as she turned heel, she just went to another level as a performer. Yeah, she was great. She's spectacular in the ring. I also was thinking about possibly giving wrestler of the year to Rhea Ripley, but I also feel like that is too much the back half of the year and not the entire body of the work. The best is yet to come too. Yes. She has a very compelling case for wrestler of the year 2020. Yeah. And I know you have jokingly said it multiple times, even in the last five minutes. Yeah. But my wrestler of the year is Will Ospreay. I don't understand this pick. I don't understand Just it. Just banger matches front to back. He didn't have more good matches than Okada this year. He was awesome. He was. I agree he was awesome this year. And I know he's a popular pick. When I, I have a hard time believing, and I, I haven't gone hard again, but I've just heard this opinion so much. When we look back on 2019, the guy you're remembering is Will Ospreay? The IWGP Junior Champion? So many awesome matches. What? Name dude. five. All three with El Fantasmo. Yeah. The Wrestle Kingdom match. Mm-hmm. You're right. I probably can't name a fifth one. This is that. what I'm talking about. He had a great... I, didn't, I didn't watch the Super Junior Cup, though. And yeah. I heard that every single night he was incredible in yeah. that tournament. I don't actually have a problem. Will Ospreay is actually a, a wrestler who I've liked for a long time. And can I? this is what really cemented him for Wrestler of the Year for me. Sure. My problem with him always has been your problem with Seth Rollins. I just don't like this guy right. as a person. Right. Yeah, that does suck. Come election season in the UK election... When you have, you know, Mr. Bootlicker, Will Ospreay, telling all of his fans to vote Labour. Yeah, that was... I'm like... <laughs> he finally met Zack Sabre Jr. He got it. <laughs> he understands. He, he, he did the turn that we've been waiting for all this time. Thank goodness Will. I don't want to say that someone's political takes are what cement them as Wrestler of the Year, but he they, had just a, a fantastic year this year. Yes. And the fact that I don't have to hold my nose when I like him anymore. That's so nice, isn't it? Yeah, because I've always been a fan. Like, right from the very first time I saw him, I've always been a fan of Will Ospreay. But I felt like I always have to defend that take by being like, I know he's a dickhead. Like, you don't need to... And maybe he still is. Maybe he is still a dick who just votes labor. But, like... (laughs) I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. I, uh... Yeah, I like the pick. He obviously was on a huge gear this year. I mean, he he got jacked up. I think he'll be entering the heavyweight division oh, after I, Wrestle Kingdom. I can't believe he's not there already, honestly. Well, I think it makes a lot of sense for Hiromu to return to him. Like, that Osprey is the guy he beats And I'm looking it. forward to that match more than anything on Wrestle Kingdom, honestly. Oh, really? Which, eh? like, it, this is a stacked card for Wrestle Kingdom with more two shows. More than Okada Bushi? <sighs> Yeah, I'm. Yeah, but, yeah because Hiromu, so... I miss Hiromu so much. Oh, dude, did you see those clips going around to him at the Road Two show? It's just so good seeing him wrestle. Yeah. He's just, I like that he's just like so manic. Like no one else wrestles like him. You know, he like hits the ropes and bounces. Yeah, I just, it's nice. And I know that. I'm gonna have a big stupid grin on my face for the entirety of that match and for that show probably yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, JMO, you you were right. My wrestler of the year is John Moxley. Um. I think his. His, if you want to say, redemption path from leaving WWE on a low note to being a standout with a New Japan and probably, in my opinion, the standout of AEW is... Uh, he's carrying that company right now. He feels like... He just feels like the guy there. And when he's in New Japan, he feels like the guy. The promos have been on another level for both companies. His intensity... He does... Listen, 
if it was a different time period, he, I hate saying such an obvious comparison, but he does have like a small bit of that Austin in him right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Like, when he's coming through the crowd, no one was that Just hype. when he walks. It's, he walks with purpose. The character is so clear. Uh, there's no one who feels more important on screen, and you would think that maybe he'd get overexposed a bit between the two companies. There's none of that. If anything, I like the New Japan promos more because he's allowed to swear. I thought all the stuff with Shooter Amino was incredibly fun. I thought that – and you remember Dean Ambrose. The People would critique him. It's like, well, he's the worst worker of the Shield. And I thought that that was probably true. Look at that G1. Him and Naito could have been my match of the year. Him and Ishii could have been my match of the year. Like – he did everything at a 100 out of 100 oh. skill level after leaving on a 0 out of 100 interest. Like, it's o unbelievable. O Osprey Okada. There's a fifth match from Osprey. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I don't count Osprey good, or Okada good matches. I don't. Remember, remember last year when you and Mike were like, Jay White's done it. I'm like, he had a 15-minute yeah. classic with Okada. He, Shut the fuck he up. Had, he had a WWE-style match with Okada. Yeah, I'll give you a break, you but, two. But it, but it was super fun. I agree, but I mean, like, was it even as good as Okada? Bad luck, Fale. I mean, like, what are we talking about? Yeah, here? you might be right. Uh, it just it. it I mean, we've talked about this many times before. That match felt to me like, like a 2000 era totally. WWF match with like Vince is in the Gato role. Yeah, like, no, it was very fun. There's, there's no getting around that. I'm, I'm just teasing. Okada, Okada felt greatness. like babyface The Rock to me in that match, which is. is a great person to feel like. <laughs> yeah, because nobody feels like that. Zero people. Uh, <laughs> When I think of the just the overall narrative of the year from Dean Ambrose transforming into John Moxley, it just feels really core to what I like about wrestling. Like it reminds me of Naito going to CMLL and reinventing himself and then returning to New Japan. Like these things are really interesting to me in like a meta sense, like jumping leagues and who's the person here and is he in the shorts or the jeans? Look, like we both picked New Japan as our promotion of the year. Yeah. Do we pick them if they don't have John Moxley? Or Will Ospreay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, both of our wrestlers of the year add a huge amount to them. Uh, I just, I couldn't say enough about the, the path he traveled this year. And yeah, I feel very confident that he was my wrestler of the year. It's a good pick. And as much as we criticize the booking of AEW and the elite not putting themselves over, I think I can't justify it as much in the tag division what the Bucks have done. I think Kenny is getting out of the way so that Mox can have the spotlight. And yes. I don't know that that's the worst decision. No, I I do hear you. I, this is going to sound so weird after what I just said, but I would rather have Kenny have that belt than Mox. Like, John Moxley doesn't feel like he needs that belt to me. Like, he yeah, feels like he's like bigger he than a, it already. He can be on I, ass whipping tour instead. I Who's agree. he got a problem with? I agree. And if eventually he wants that belt, he'll go kick his ass too. Like, that, right. th that feels like very where I would like John Moxley, but I just called him almost just John. That's where I'd like John. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah your you best know, bud. Yeah, you know, John. Your, your favorite wrestler. Yeah, John. So <laughs> you're on a first-name basis. Great here. wrestling name. <laughs> uh, Madman, we, we've said it all, but we've arrived at the uh, truly the most inner circle of our awards. The yeah. one that if you are not a Patreon donor, this is, well, I suppose like, we canceled the Patreon, so the, not, not that, <laughs> but if you're not in our chat... You are, uh, this one is of no interest, and you can feel free to fast forward to our goodbye in about, what, three, four, five minutes from now. But, JMO, we have to talk about the 2019 Top Marks Most Powerful Listener of the Year. So, defending champion Matt Reynas has held the crown. He's held the crown for a year. Since we debuted the award, I think two years straight. So, he's, this would be the third year in a row that Matt could be named. He's a powerful defending champion. Most powerful listener. He's a very funny man. He is. Matt, we love he you. He is the power baby. There, look, there are a number of fine contenders. It's a, it's an open field in exactly the same way match of the year was. You've this got, might even be deeper. You've got 
Blair Pacheco. Wow. Powerful. Pat- hung out with him in Winnipeg. Truly powerful. Hung out with him in Toronto. He let me crash on the couch of his Airbnb. Wow. What a wonderful man. Wow. Uh, you've got, you know. Uh, How about Boofer? Creating these spreadsheets. May- adding the value to our damn uh, Making the Whiskey Mania sign. A physical thing that is in the flesh in your apartment. Uh, the great Scoots Brodo hosting me in there. I mean, I could go on and Scoots on and Brodo on and on. bringing us gifts from the States, bringing us all these uh, sugary delicacies like cereal and <laughs> drinks that we are not able to buy up here in Canada. We could go on for an hour. but, but E-Prime. All the guys that we hung out with in Toronto. Uh, there is not one of them that was not in the running. However, but this year, it was crap, crap time. time. <laughs> it is Doug Crap. It is our guy. It's no longer at Lorenzo Meow. It's Doug, Doug crap. crap. As your top Mark's most powerful listener 2019, J-Mo. He is a weapon. Doug he cr- is He is a doomsday device. <laughs> There are certain people who are not allowed to get their hands on Doug Crap because the internet would never be the same again afterwards. I listen. Don't get me wrong. Crap time, magnificent. Doug Doug had had a a year. Yes. I had this cinched up months ago when he fucking photoshopped Bernie Sanders into Los Agobernables <laughs> to Japan. Lij Bernie is the, the, if if Bernie is going to run and if Bernie is going to win, he will win because he's an Lij. <laughs> this is this is one hundred percent true. I have had that, and I, I'm not a guy who does this. That photo does not leave my phone. Like if if I were to have to delete all of the photos on my phone, save one. Bernie, I look at it and it just makes me happy. Like I just go and look in my photos. You know at how, that picture. You know how the Punisher has microchip. Yeah. <laughs> like the guy. Every superhero. Ned even addresses this in one of in I think Spider Man Homecoming. Okay. Uh, you know, there's the superhero and then there's the guy in the van. Yes. Doug Crap is all of our. He like, is our guy for, in the van. for everyone who's in the chat. Doug Crap is the guy in the van. What? You got a problem with anybody? Doug Crap is about to do a deep dive and expose their deepest, darkest secrets. There's no one that Doug cannot shame and embarrass. When you're looking at your wrist, you better be looking at your watch because it is crap time. And if you were on the wrong side of this man, you were up shit creek without a shit paddle. I mean, you are in trouble. So, uh, 2020 is the year of the crap. It, uh, <laughs> it absolutely is. <laughs> Who could to say otherwise? Uh, I believe Doug is also, if I'm not mistaken, a day one listener and a, a massive supporter for the entirety of the show. Uh, in its fledgling days, w- without many listeners, always a guy re- retweeting. Uh, you know, you also got to mention a guy like a Craig Tambles. Like, there's people who really have been there uh, for this ride. And have given us something. Yeah, I I feel guilty if we're just gonna name all the people who've been important, and we I like, know we shouldn't don't done name it. people. We shouldn't have said anyone but Doug. Yeah, I mean, like obviously we've got powerful listeners like the Zoobs and Rob Russo and Ryan Schapp, who's been on the show many times. They're so they, the community around the show remains the best part of the show. But shout to, out to Zach Adams as well, who mm-hmm. I know is only involved in the group chat during live viewings as a live <laughs> chat, but I think an invaluable member of our group. How as well. To our friend Alex, recommending me and the Takashita, all, all these. Our, our, fr- our friend Alex, who moved to Halifax and like immediately walked up to the Dog Island boys at a bar and was like, "Do you know Justin Morissette?" Wow, you that. And, and I hope, Alex, I hope you can become friends with those boys because <sighs> I tell you, Andrew Neville and Hugh Stewart, 
no one better. The, the, they are they are the hashtag good friends east. Wow. East, east East. Because we've got some East friends in Toronto. Yeah. It doesn't get more east than Halifax. Even further. And if you say Europe, get the fuck out of get here. Lost <laughs> you losers. Uh I you have to mention Brenny. You have to mention Jason. These are these are wonderful people. Brenny and I talking about Parasite a ton. My friend Jason, who I met in Seattle during the, the Hell yeah. You could just go on and on. Nick Dang East. Nick scoring us yeah, goddamn. Speaking liquor. of King of the East, Nick. East. Scoring us liquor at 3 a.m. in Toronto just called someone who just dropped off a bottle of whiskey for us. Like, this fucking rocks. Oh, yeah, and Floop. Floop, too. Yeah, whatever. Can't forget Floop. I almost did. <laughs> no, Floop and I even ended our... our I know uh, you buried the hatchet. So, so no, there, there's not one. But, but J-Mo, I, as much as we love them all, like you said, it's crap time. This is the year of Doug crap. Doug. And I think all of those guys would agree. I don't uh, think yes. there's a single person listening who would say we've chosen the wrong listener. And how about some credit for Doug at the beginning of the year constantly saying, I want to be most powerful listener of the year. This was a goal. And Doug, my friend, we love you and you got it done. You're the top marks most powerful listener 2019, baby. Congratulations, Doug. We really do love you. <sighs> Jamo, we did it. That's the show. We got to the end. We, we got to the end of another year of wrestling. Yep, that's true. Which was a difficult thing to do this year. In some ways. Because there was so much wrestling. Honestly, part of the reason why uh, I just like had a mental breakdown also was like, I'm trying to think of how to do this show in a way that it could come out and not feel dated instantly. And there's almost no day of the week that you can devote to doing a wrestling show because there's wrestling on every single night of the week. Yeah, it is. Th- th- that it, side of things is it crazy. It contributed to me just mentally being like, how do I do this? I don't know how to continue. <laughs> Freeze! <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it is It is a, a weird world of wrestling right now, but one that I've never liked more, to be honest. Um, I don't think I've ever been more into wrestling than I was these past year or two. Uh I never really pictured a future where I could not be watching Raw, still be watching tons of wrestling and loving it, and that's mostly my life now. Like I do feel like AEW's maybe not delivering as I'd like it to right now, and NXT has but some off But it's still weeks. more satisfying than watching Raw. Well, and, and even even Raw, like when I do tune in, I don't watch it every week anymore, but when I when I tune in, I, I just love the fucking business, man. I, I love professional wrestling, and... And I'm hot for it. We're, we're, we're fucking, what, 10 days out from Wrestle Kingdom? 12 yeah. days out from Wrestle Kingdom? I mean, two days of that, I can't fucking wait. And then we're back off to the races again. We love the business. Man, I had an unbelievable year in the business. Yeah, absolutely. You know, to, to have something that has been a goal of mine for at least a year and a half before it happened, uh, which is to launch a wrestling radio show here in Vancouver. And look. Do I enjoy doing Wrestle Central more than I enjoy doing this show? Yes. No. I definitely <laughs> do not. It is it it is it is not nearly as fun to do a show by myself as it is to hang out with m- one of my best friends oh, at, and do this show. Yeah, but which one has a platform? You know? <laughs> we got But like the things that Central has allowed me to do this year, whether anyone listens or not, and I have no <laughs> idea what my listenership is. Uh, I got to make Becky Lynch laugh this year. I got to make Braun Strowman laugh this year. I got to hang out with the Riot Squad, as I was talking about mm-hmm. earlier. I got to touch the WWE Championship belt as it was plunked down on the table in front of me by the man himself, Kofi Kingston. So rad. I got to do so many things. WWE rolled out the fucking red carpet for me in Toronto at a time when everything else in my life felt like it was just 
you know, swirling into the toilet. Yeah, in, in flux yeah. at the time. Uh, like, wrestling really held me up at that time, and WWE in particular, and the way that they treated me because of that show. Uh, I really appreciate that, and um, I cannot wait to see what 2020 brings because I am currently considering going down to Tampa for Mania if I can get on Radio Row. Oh, wow. And that would be the experience of a lifetime as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, interviewing Kevin Owens, interviewing Dolph Ziggler, all these guys who have been huge key figures for me. I was a little fandom. insulted. You you know, you were nice to Dolph Ziggler. That was I thought that was kind of out of line, you know. It's like, is it me or him, you know? Like, that was kind of what... But, I, 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 but like, I felt like he appreciated that I had a full picture of his career and could talk about moments that he himself had forgotten and right. bring up. Him, like, I'm sure that would be cool. Yeah, um, you probably have to go way back to find anything worth talking about, and that was explains... I mean, there were some <laughs> matches that were good five... Six years old, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 2013, the last year he was any good. 2014 was December, the year that he had that ladder match with Luke Harper. Okay. That's yeah, a I great like that match. match. I agree. Um, but, yeah, just uh, what I got to do with that show and uh, in the business and even sparking a professional relationship with ECCW, yeah. which is, you know, something pretty sweet here as well, and I hope to grow that throughout 2020. But I also understand that I wouldn't be here doing those things if I did not have this show and I did not have you. As I well. don't think that's true. This was never this. It's have some Let faith me just in yourself. Tell you that I love you and I appreciate everything that we have done together. I love you too. I appreciate it. Have some goddamn confidence in yourself. You're good at this. <laughs> I appreciate it. And you that. deserve your spot. No, and you would have gotten there without me or this show. It was a goal of yours and you accomplished it. Give yourself some credit. People don't always do that. But I got we, – we put in reps here for two years. Yeah. And I wouldn't be doing the show that I'm doing without having done this show with you. So plug Wrestle Central. Where can people listen to Every it? single Sunday night on Sportsnet 650. 10 p.m. is the usual time slot. We occasionally get bumped for Canucks games, and it goes on at 11 or 11.30. But there is like a podcast feed for it. Uh, you can find it now on the Sportsnet 650 website. So if you go to sportsnet.ca slash – 650 and hit the shows tab. Wrestle Central is listed there. You can find the back catalog of every show. And uh, it's not available on iTunes or podcatchers generally, but if you uh, tweet at me looking for the podcast link, there is an RSS feed that I can send to you. At Justin Morris, of course, if that wasn't clear. But anyone yes. hearing this probably knows your Twitter handle at this point, sure. I would assume. I would hope so. Uh, I am also doing another thing where I talk into a mic. It's Your Bad Childhood. Uh, my friend Matt Prince and I are having some fun over there. Uh, we review nostalgia items under a modern lens and find out if they're any good or not. We found ourselves a good little community uh, over there, too. And if that sounds interesting to you, come check it out. We're doing Stone Cold Steve Austin in a couple weeks. Hell yeah. Well said. Is there anything else we got to say, Madman, before we send the kids home happy? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Just that maybe, and we haven't worked this out entirely, but you might not have to wait until December of next year <laughs> to hear from us again. But I think you could probably feel confident that I think it would be fun to make at least this an annual thing. Oh, yes. This will never go Because uh, I will uh, – I don't know how much I should say here because it's not fully done. But I will be doing a wrestling program – not a wrestling program, I suppose. But I'm working on a couple mini documentaries that are wrestling-based right now. I don't know where I'm going to put them out or if it's YouTube or iTunes. But we're – Madman and I are never going to be far away from the squared circle, and so whenever we can get together to, to chat about it and talk to you guys who we love, we will be, uh, take advantage of that. Whenever my hashtag good friend is being beat down, you know there's always somebody willing to run out from the back and make the save. And with that, and I'm going to do this. You know what? I, we're, we're, it's Christmas time. We're going to the old one. Stay hot. Stay spicy.
And stay tasting great because you're Curry Man! What? 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 Titus Worldwide Pepperoni Sticks! Say yeah! You see any movies lately? <laughs> Just one. You see that Star Wars movie? You know what I w- washed the taste out with my, of my mouth with? Oh, what's that? Uh, it's on Netflix right now, at least in Canada. It's a movie that I meant to see in theaters back when I was still living downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was playing at uh, International Village for a week or two. Okay. It is a Vietnamese revenge flick called Fury. Oh, yeah, Fury I've seen that movie. Fury with an I-E. Yeah, I've seen that movie. It has the look and feel of something that would star like Nicolas Cage, basically, as a revenge movie. But instead, it stars some random Vietnamese lady, and it's fucking kick-ass yeah. and awesome. I like that movie a lot, too, actually. I haven't even thought of that in a while. Uh, I have a movie recommendation. Sure. It's uh, Star Wars, The Rise of the Skywalker. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. This movie puts a bow on the series that you can I mean, this... this if you would have said, Josh, what does the perfect Star Wars look like? <laughs> I would have said it's Rise of the Skywalker. I, I walked out of that theater and I thought, wow, rarely do I think these big Hollywood blockbusters are 100 out of 100 perfect movies. But I mean, Parasite Who, the lighthouse move over, the movie of the year 2019 is the J.J. Abrams Knives epic. out, more like Knives In. Yeah, tell them that, man. Come on, the lighthouse, the dark house. We're, we're, what are we doing here? You know, The, the only thing parasitical about Parasite was what a bad movie it was. It made me sick. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, more like Once Upon a Time in Hollyweird. <laughs> John Wick 3 should have kept it to one. <laughs> Rise of the Skywalker is your movie. I walked out of that thinking, J.J. Abrams is a fucking asshole. Okay, if you haven't seen Rise of the Skywalker, turn this off right now. <laughs> we love you. Have a Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. Wherever you find yourself, you have us in your corner on this holiday season. But if you haven't heard anything about Rise of Skywalker, we're about to do 30 seconds on it. It sucks so bad. I fucking hated it so much. What, in, what a... What a misunderstanding of what makes Star Wars good. What, what a, a what total a, botch. What a, what a complete capitulation. As much as we complain about how wrestling does not give the fans what they want, sometimes the fans don't know what they want, and trying to please them is a fool's errand because some people will never be happy. And if, you know, I don't know. I if just, you had a vacuum cleaner in Beyonce, you couldn't suck this much ass. I mean, it is, it is such... It is just like... You almost can't believe that it's happening. Like, the decisions that they make. Everything that you loved about The Last Jedi, if you loved The Last Jedi, gets just jettisoned into a dumpster. The, the whole movie is retconning The Last Jedi. The, the, the opening ten minutes of this match is essentially J.J. trying to stuff in his own script for The Last Jedi to rewrite what actually happened. And it is perhaps the worst portion of any Star Wars movie ever made. Kiss my ass, J.J. Abrams. Fuck you. Anyway, goodbye. (laughs) Titus Worldwide!